in to episode 122 of the Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch, and flying solo for a few minutes at least uh, in this episode. Um, sorry it's been a minute since we've been on, but um, I hope everybody had a happy holiday. And um, here's to hoping 2023 is going to be a great year for, for everybody. Um, so we got a couple episodes coming up, uh, this one and another one soon with another special guest, but we have uh, two guests uh, in this episode, and, and I want to get to it quickly, but I want to give you guys a little bit of info uh, before we get into it. So uh, I'm going to be joined here in just a few minutes by uh, Jeff and Chris Hansen, uh, the two guys behind uh, Live at Oak Mountain, The Earth Will Swallow You, uh, the, the classic film Scrapple and it's accompanying soundtrack. Um, and they've got, they're going to finally, you're going to finally have a chance to watch the earth will swallow you, uh, on a streaming service. Uh, it was, you know, obviously it came out on DVD 20 years ago. Um, and if you're like me, you still got it on yourself, but maybe you're not like me and you lost it in a move or girlfriend took it or whatever. And uh, you haven't had a chance to see it in a long time. You're going to have that chance. And uh, so I want to give you the details before we get into the interview, just about, about the stream, when you can see it and all the details. So uh, it's going to be available on Nugs, nugs.net uh, on June 21st, or sorry, January 21st. Uh, just this coming weekend, if, as this 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 podcast and stream are going to be released, um, that's this this Saturday, January twenty first, twenty twenty three, at eight o'clock. Um, so it's going to be like a live stream. At that moment, you can buy it for nine ninety nine. If you are a Nugs Net subscriber, you can get it for eight forty nine. And I think if you're if you're not if you're sign if you sign up for Nugs, if you're not a subscriber and you sign up for Nugs, I think you can get it for five bucks. So either way, it's pretty affordable for for really what's you know an awesome look at the band that we all know and love. Um, once you get it, you have I think 48 hours to watch it as many times as you want. So um, it's, it's just check it out. But what I want to do is I had I had the uh, great pleasure of hanging out with with the two brothers jeff and chris and uh, jeff jeff's been on the show a couple times before um never talked to chris before and, and it was it was awesome hearing those guys we really we got into the production of the film and um you know what they've been up to and how that whole experience in the summer uh of 2000 through the beginning of 2001 filming all that stuff and um it's great so hang out Watch that or listen to that, however you're, you're consuming uh, this content. And then um, make sure you check out the film, The Earth Will Swallow You, January 21st at Nugs, uh, 8 p.m. Uh, on Saturday, January 21st, 2023. So um, super exciting. Glad that it, it's the 20th anniversary of the film. So um, really excited for those guys that, the, that it's going to be available again. And uh, I think they've got a lot of other great stuff uh, in the hopper, hopefully coming out. So uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, they've got a website up, uh, scrapplemercantile.com. Uh, and you can get some, you know, uh, T-shirts and gear and stuff like that. So, uh, rego- uh, you know, associated with the Earth Will Swallow You. And um, so 
check it out, scrapplemercantile.com. But make sure you check out the Earth Will Swallow You on Saturday on Nugs. And, you know, we talk about how much we want to see more archival releases from the band. We talk about that, uh, Chris and Jeff and I. I mean, they've got a lot of footage uh, that has not seen the light of day, like full concerts. And I think the more that we as a fan base can, you know, put our money where our mouth is and support these kind of endeavors, and hopefully there'll be more uh, coming in the future. So um, that's enough of me. Uh, I'm going to be joined. I'm going to step aside, and I'll be right back uh, with Chris and Jeff Hansen, um, the Hansen brothers, to talk about The Earth Will Swallow You and... Um, yeah, I hope you guys are doing great. Uh, we'll be back with Jeff soon, and we'll be back in just a couple weeks, maybe less than a couple weeks, with our good friend Sam Holt, because he's got some shows coming up, and we want to talk to him about that. And uh, so we'll talk to you again really soon. Uh, hope you guys are doing great, and uh, enjoy my visit with the Hanson Brothers. Harvey, what's up? Hey, guys. Guido. Coming from... Hey. Uh, Three different states across the, the, the United States. You guys are up north. I was just up north, and now I'm back down in the in the in the uh, in the you know in the whatever we call it here in Kentucky. But um, thanks for joining us, Jeff and Chris Hanson. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm a longtime listener, first time uh, caller. Well, no, not a first time. You've been on here. We've had we've been on a couple times. This is my uh, third my third visit to the show. Yeah, yeah. So happy to have you on, guys. Um, Super excited, Jeff. You reached out a few weeks ago to talk about you. Well, you've been talking about this, honestly. I think probably the last time we talked, you're like, you know, we're looking to maybe do something, uh, you know, for the 20th anniversary of the Earth Will Swallow You. And um, and here we are. So um, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you guys about this. Uh, it was um, I mean, I, can, I still have like vivid memories of of the, I, I saw, I saw the earth will swallow you at uh, headliners in Louisville um, in what was that? I guess the, the summer of 2002. Is that when, when they were, they were sort of doing live. It was after Mikey passed, right? Or so it was, I, I it played in Telluride the night Mikey died. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was, it was doing that. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, and remember, you know, I still have the DVD. I mean, it's right. It's literally, it's right up there. So it, it's among the like 20 DVDs that I still have on the shelf. So uh, it's high, you know, high, high level for you guys. So um, <laughs> let's talk. I want to get into what's going on, you know, uh, with with people finally being able to see this again, if they don't have it on a DVD. Um, but what we sort of do usually on the show is talk a little bit about, you know, y'all's history with the band. So maybe we could do a little bit of that. Jeff, we've heard. I think your story, but maybe not Chris's as much. What maybe like when you first kind of heard about panic, got into panic, what, um, what is, what's your story as far as that goes, Chris? Well, for me, you know, I was, I was listening to widespread panic first tape when they came out, um, in the, the early nineties, but I didn't actually get a chance to see them until 97. And I had this kind of, I was living in New York City at the time. Uh, Jeff and I were finishing a, another film that we made called Scrapple. And I went and saw Panic uh, at the Beacon Theater in 97. And it was about a month after I'd gone to like three Allman Brothers show at the Beacon. Mm. And so I thought it was, I was like, yeah, they're cool. Right. <laughs> then huh. the summer of 97, I ended up going to Red Rocks. 
Okay. Uh, and the last and the time, I, the last time I'd been at Red Rocks was in '87 to see The Dead. So I went to see Panic in '97 at Red Rocks, and and then my head was blown off. And I was right. like, I'm on board. Right. I, you know, and then it was just off to the races. Um, so you know, went to a lot of shows after that in '97, '98, '99, and like, and then like leading right up to you know, like we were at the uh, Y2K shows in Atlanta, and. If you had told me then, like in six months, you'll be making a movie on these guys, I would have, I would have flipped. Yeah. And, so what, what was that? I mean, what was that timing like? So getting, you know, assume that most of the people that are listening to this or watching this uh, knows the timeline. But I mean, the so the film you guys shot in the summer of two thousand uh, into two thousand one, right? A little some studio stuff into two thousand one. When did when did you start talking about it? When did it become an idea? When did it become real? Well, Jeff, let me let me answer this. Jeff might have answered this on previous shows, or or I don't know if you guys have talked about this before, but we made this movie called Scrapple, and we came down to we were we were trying to make the final print um, for the music, and we had a Stephen Stills song in there, and Stephen Stills' management was like, "You cannot use this song," like everyone else. Uh, was playing with us and you know we had a fantastic sound by by fantastic soundtrack by the way just you know yeah which is not and i guess is it available can people get it anywhere or maybe we get into that later maybe but i mean i know again there were cds CDs floating about right and we're trying to figure out how to make it available it was a soundtrack you could have gotten so yeah 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 okay so sorry so So you, you had a steven sills song and and they were saying no and we had this one scene and, and, you know, all the music that the, the movie Scrapple takes place in 1978. So all the music, um, it, it, it is, is specific to that era. And then, you know, we had this summer montage and, and we ended up finding widespread panic, the takeout, and we, we put it in and it fit perfect. It was mm-hmm. like the same exact rhythm. And so Jeff started talking with uh, Mary Armstrong now Mary Armstrong Dugas at Brown Cat about acquiring the rights to that song. And they were, I mean, we had to make a decision like in a week mm-hmm. and they gave it to us. They're like, yeah, you guys can use it. And so that began our relationship with widespread panic. And then in the summer of 99, Jeff approached them about doing a documentary about them and uh, they declined. They gracefully declined. And then in 2000, Mary, who was working at Brown Cat, you know, caught wind that some other filmmakers were proposing a documentary. And she she let Jeff know and said, you know, you guys should put your name back in the hat. Hmm. And so we did. And then and then, Jeff, you can tell the story like we 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 put our name in the hat, but we didn't know if we were going to be called but the, upon but the band had sort of decided that they were open to the idea at that point right if they were if they were talking to other folks right i don't remember yeah. that part about the other folks but i'll, I'll take your word for it mm-hmm. i i just forgot about that i i so i started talking to mary a little bit more concretely and i mean my memory of it chris was that that you didn't know like i i, I didn't tell you because i didn't want to get you like false hopes and so no, well, we we have very different memories of this. Yeah, we <laughs> we were all we they were going to make a decision of whether we were going to follow them 
uh, for the summer. Mm. And so we were all ready. Like we, we, you know, that's why we called Mike drum. Like we had all the camera equipment ready. You know, I was like practicing, like I was shooting other bands. I, I shot Colonel Bruce at the Fox theater thinking I got to get ready. You know, we might be making this movie. And then Jeff remembers it. Like we didn't really get the green light until three days before. And that's where, where I think well, your well, memory is. We were getting ready to do it, but we hadn't gotten the green light. And we were right. waiting and we were waiting. And when he's Mike Drum was the guy who was going to help us shoot Red Rocks. So we had we had everything in play for most of the we made most of the movie in the from June 23rd, 2000 to July 4th, 2000. About 60, 70 percent of the movie was Red Rocks, Phoenix, Warfield. Mm -hmm. Okay, And so. Yeah, but. That's a high percentage. I don't, that, that's not, no, but keep, keep going. Okay. okay. But uh, in terms of the guests, it, 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 the, put it this way, the, the Taj Mahal and the Yorma Kalkinen piece was in play. They were ready. What mm. we, what we had ready to go before panic said, let's do it was this. We had a crew ready to shoot Red Rocks on Saturday, June 24th. Mm. Okay. We had Taj Mahal ready to meet us in the celebrity theater in Phoenix and we had Yorma Kalkin ready to meet us at the Warfield. That was all okay. in play. And we were sitting there going, um, that, that's what I meant when I said that, was like these the, the sort of influences were in play during those. Uh, after that, it's mostly people, aside from Colonel, well, Colonel Bruce is like an influence and a contemporary. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we, we had that all ready to go. And they were just not committing. I mean, we mm -hmm. were sitting there going like, we're ready to go. And then, you know, Wednesday, I, I, I'll never forget it because it was one of those Zen things where I just said, um, I'm giving up. It's done. Right. Right. I'm cool. It's I'm, not I'm, happening. It's I'm not fine happening. with it. Yeah, and, yeah. and, I, and I get, we gave it a great shot. It's not happening. And then the phone rang like mm -hmm. a minute later and they were like, it's happening. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's how I, so I'm in Baton Rouge at the time and I got to get myself to, uh, um, to, to, to Colorado where Chris was and, and, and we were shooting 48 hours later at KBCO. That was the first thing we shot. They did a radio thing. Um, and then it was, you know, it was like, you know, making a movie, you know, it was mm -hmm. pretty cool. Was the, Cause all that stuff was ready to go. And we knew we were like, look how, how great this is going to be. I mean, if we can get this thing going, look, what's, look, what's already in play. So y'all had mapped out some of that stuff. And I assume had shared that with the band, right? I mean, the, the, the Yorma and the Taj piece, right? And and the Red Rocks said, you know, we're going to be with you doing these things. That sort the, of laid out. The, the pitch was was this. Widespread Panic is a band that makes music. They That's what they do. Like, ultimately, like, Widespread Panic is a band that every night they get up on stage and play whatever they want and nobody tells them what to do. You know, that's, I think, the core of, of the band. And while they make records and that's a valuable part of their process, really um, making, you know, live performance, I think has been the core for Panic. And, um, and just the act of making music is, is really what they're about. So we wanted to make a movie about them making music, making music with each other, making music with their influences, contemporaries, and, influ and the people who influenced them. And that was the pitch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they thought, wow, that's, that sounds good. So, mm -hmm. Chris? Yeah, and I mean, and as Jeff said, I mean, the those first two weeks were unbelievable. We, I was living in Boulder at the time. 
and we, you know, this is before uh, uh, 9-11, because I remember there were all, there were, there were times where we were racing to airports and like catching flights like 20 flights, minutes before too. the flight. Yeah. And, you know, so we, you know, we went from Boulder to uh, Phoenix and that's where we shot Taj Mahal. And then we went from Phoenix to Las Vegas and then Las Vegas to San Francisco in the first two weeks of that tour. Mm -hmm. Like we hit every stop along the way. And yeah, those were, that was about the the craziest rock and roll two weeks of my life by far. It was like all my rock and roll dreams. The things that we, that we got to do. I mean, you know, if you look, so the whole, you know, Red Rocks piece, which for Chris and myself, you know, we're, we're in the, in the trailer cutting, you know, a rock show of our favorite band. I mean, you talk yeah. about a dream and we, we love the, the, um, you know, the, the last waltz and all the, we were into the genre of rock docs, you know? So mm-hmm. just that, wow, we're like doing this, shooting our favorite band with the crane and the, we called it with the, with the, all the bells and whistles. And the, right. the, you know, so we did that. And then we go to, you know, um, you know, Phoenix and cook, you know, with Taj and do that whole thing. And then we go to Vegas and do the whole Star Trek museum thing. And, um, you know, who was supposed to join us that, that day was Carrot Top. Cause he's, Oh like, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's their Vegas buddy. So, so the night before I ended up hanging out with Carrot Top and the guys, like, Chris, you forgot you missed the flight to Vegas. <laughs> What's what you missed? Or at least the no, show. I didn't miss, no, no, no. I, I was always coming a day late because it was oh, okay. It was, uh, it was a birthday. That's right, because we right you we couldn't shoot because mm-hmm. it was but like, you, right, but yeah, so, right. that was like our first that was like our first conflict. Like Jeff was in Vegas going, "You should be here, Carrot Top's here." And I was like, <laughs> "I don't know, Carrot Top." We're backstage with Carrot Top, and I don't have a camera. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and then we go, then we go to San Francisco, go to a baseball game with Mikey yeah. and Yogi. And Trey, and then, then I, you know, you know, I, I, I go to pick up Mikey at the hotel the next day because we're gonna go to Chinatown, mm. and um, he, I go into the room with him, and he invites me in, and he sits down, and we're just hanging out, and he, and he's like, "Would you like to smoke some weed?" And he pulls out the apple, and uh, you know, I mean, we interviewed Merle Saunders where he said the same thing. He's like, "I've never smoked weed out of an apple before," <laughs> and so you know, Mikey like carved open the apple and we smoked a bowl in his hotel room. And like, you talk about breaking bread. Mm. You know, like that was one of the most mm. incredible experiences I've ever had. And then we go out and shop in Chinatown with him and John Keen. And then we go to the Warfield, and then Yorma's there and we're in the basement. And I mean, it was insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then Chris left. And then I went over to Merle Saunders house and interviewed Merle and peanut mm. and then went out to dinner with Merle. I mean, it was like really, you know, wow. It was, it was dreamland stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole thing, we ended up getting to do all kinds of stuff, but that was so concentrated. I mean, between June 23rd and July, you know, 5th, 5th, right? I mean, it was like a rock, it was like the rock and roll fantasy, you know, like the, uh, the bad company song or whatever. So were you guys both during that time shooting? I mean, were you both just like, had cameras or was was what did somebody was somebody's role more one thing or the other or were y'all both just all hands on deck whatever this is the director go ahead chris 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was kind of like the principal camera and then Jeff, I mean, and this was the beginning of like, this was the like DV cameras were like this big. Right. So we had like a couple Canons, a couple Sonys. We thought this technology was like cutting edge. And oh, it was for like, and, five, for like five months. It was well, yeah. I mean, for, for really for six years before yeah, yeah. The, the iPhone came along right. and everybody could do this. Right. But, but back in those days, you know, to be that fly on the wall, yeah, to have a little, you know, it was hard to do. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot harder to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and a cool thing that you see, like when you watch the Earthless Wally, the coolest thing, and, and to be part of the Panic uh, fan base at that time, it's like you know we're at the Warfield, you know, and, and we were set up, you know, by the soundboard, and we have these these great seats, you know, where we're like a foot above everybody else, mm. like as it's on the floor. I mean, you see these shots, and there's not one phone. Like yeah. everybody is yeah. all in the moment. Mm. Everyone is like on every note and, and you just don't have that in music anymore. You know, yeah. like uh, it, it's so sad. I mean, so, so just to see that archive, you know, like that, that we, that we captured this moment in time in, in rock and roll um, with widespread panic, but like all concerts were like that. And obviously before, like, you know, when you went to a concert, you were all in mm-hmm. and, you know, not distracted by your phone. Um, I mean, cell phones were like, it was cool having cell phones that summer because they were like walkie talkies. Like you could, right. you know, you could be at a venue and call someone and be like, where yeah. are you? Right. It was before the smartphone. Um, and I think that's a cool thing about, this summer with widespread panic in 2000 is it is it it's it was before like this modern era of iphones and although you know so we in in each city we would we would also hire uh a couple additional uh camera people and and a sound person as well Mm. so each city we have i was i was the producer chris you know i was booking the hotel rooms and you know, doing all that. Chris was really the director, but I had a camera. I shot mm-hmm. a lot of really cool stuff. And it part, one of the themes of the movie is that is that um, everybody's making the movie. Like if you you'll see in, in in the in the film, like like at at a certain point, Mikey grabs the the the, the Super Eight film camera, and there's 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 different points where. Um, and then there's this other thing where everyone there's music is being played everywhere. Like in Chinatown, the people are playing music. And so it's this kind of thing, like everybody's participating in the movie, you know, and mm-hmm. that's why. And then the guy goes like Hollywood is for movies, you know, <laughs> movies are for movies. And it's, you know, there were some things like these serendipitous things that happen that that hopefully happen for everybody when they make a movie that, that make it like really cool. Um, you know, a, a great example of that is like, we knew we wanted to shoot. Chris and I had this like really powerful psychedelic experience when we were in college at the, at the, um, um, Alice in Wonderland sculpture in, in New York city. And so we were like, let's go back there and shoot, you know, a scene there at the, at the, at the sculpture. So we knew we were going to do that. And then at, at the, at the 24th, uh, the, the show with the, uh, that we shot, um, uh, at Red Rocks, they play Arlene, and Colin Butler is on the turntables, and he starts doing this Alice in Wonderland thing. And my, you guys are looking at each other like, "Is this is really happening? Is this really happening?" My favorite cut in the whole movie is is back. You're backstage in the truck, 
and you're and you're and you're uh-huh. seeing John Butler and you're hearing the thing and JB's totally tripped out by it. Yeah. He's like he's like this, and then he goes like that, and it cuts to Alice in Wonderland in Central Park. Yeah. And it's just perfect. And that was something that like we we couldn't work. I mean, that was just too good to even mm-hmm. orchestrate that. Yeah. Um, and we knew like we went in, you know, we were fans of rock docs, and certainly the last waltz was a big one. So we went in, we weren't a hundred percent sure what we were going to get, you know, like, let's go shoot it all and we'll figure it out later. But we did have like little ideas, Mm. like, you know, early, like one of the first shots in the movie and one of the first shots we, we took was at Red Rocks and we're outside the door of the dressing room. Mm. And so, you know, I was a fan of the doors, you know, when I was a young teen and I always loved the idea of like doors and perception. And so throughout the summer, we were like, find a door where, where's there yeah. a door all about yeah. and, and you know that's the that's the art of the movie is uh-huh. the door in the universe and space uh-huh. and then and then you know you have these things that happen that like sunny sunny looks at us while we're shooting in, in, in athens and he goes you can leave the door open if you want to <laughs> and you know he's just talking about to the camera guy uh-huh. but to us you know as a narrative device he's talking about minds right he's not just talking about doors yeah. And I think these are the things that the fan that the fans picked up on, uh-huh. that they realized that like, wow, like this is like this movie is operating at a on on a bunch of different levels. Like they're not they're not just you know there's a lot of sy- symbolism in in the film, and particularly with the doors. I mean, Chris really just I mean, hence the hence the you know the 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 art. But anyway, when Sonny said that, you know, yeah. those, those little moments like. Right just kind of take it like to a whole nother, like a little bit deeper level, you know? So, uh, so, so, you know, you, like y'all kind of built this, the movie, like a, at least when I look at the chapter listing, right. It's kind of like a set list, uh, which I always appreciated as a set list nerd. Um, so I don't want to go through the whole thing, but let's like kind of go in chronological order, if that's cool. And just like hit on a few things that, that stick at, that stand out to me still. 20 years later um you i guess one of the so big we talked about guests right lots of guests but influences and contemporaries and i guess the first guest that we hear from is the colonel right and outside uh is that outside commander's palace in new orleans okay very familiar space mm-hmm. right yeah um so uh the, the, was that like obvious that you had that you should start with the colonel or did that just kind of as you sort of put all the pieces together that that's where well, that one made the most sense so yeah i mean like like uh, a feature film that's kind of like shot out of order hmm. we uh colonel bruce played with uh with panic um at oak mountain and so we wanted, you know, we knew we wanted him to be part of the film. And so, and we ended up making Live at Oak Mountain. That was the second concert that we shot. We shot Red Rocks and then shot Oak Mountain. Mm-hmm. And then Widespread Panic wanted to release Oak Mountain. But so when we were at Oak Mountain, um, Colonel Bruce was playing. It ended up being the night after Live at Oak Mountain. August 13th, mm-hmm. 2000. And, and then Jeff and I, we ended up, interviewing um bruce in a hotel in birmingham somewhere and and we were up until you know like late 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 you know with him and and just totally you know and and it looked uh, like this 
<laughs> jiving out of them. Literally, it literally looked like that. So when we when we looked at the footage, we're like, that footage is heinous. We need yeah. to we need to shoot uh, it again. And there were parts of the film that we still needed, like we needed a JoJo part. So after the summer of 2000, um, we decided to go to New Orleans, um, and for we Halloween, were going for the Halloween run, right? Yeah, for the Halloween run. We were, first time they we ever were, played it. And we shot, you know, JoJo Tipitinas, and then we saw, you know, we went to all the shows, and then we got the Colonel Bruce interview, and then, and I can't remember, Jeff. When did then we went to Athens? January, um, so you got it. So it was October of 2000. All right. So it went like this. We, we went on the road with them from June 23rd when we started. Then we did till July 5th. We ended up, then we went out to Alpine Valley where Dylan and uh, Panic and uh, Phil Lesh were playing. And then we went to the Harmony Music Festival on July 5th. That was so cool. And we have some footage of some fan interviews that we're going to mm. put out soon that are really cool. People are going to see themselves 20 years earlier and go, whoa. Man, that definitely st- – because I threw it on this afternoon, and it was like, man, the, 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 the styles have changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, you know, so- you mentioned that Alpine. I totally forgot about that show. Yeah. Was yeah. there was there hope that something more interesting would happen? Because there was no – there was no interaction between those guys, right? Or at least not on stage. I, I called I called Phil Lesh's publicist and he said, and I quote, if 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 we see a camera near Phil Lesh, we will take it from you and break it on the ground. That's what that's what Phil's guy said to me. Okay, cool. But we were not shooting there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, so we we went to Alpine Valley with the like, oh, we'll just shoot parking lot stuff. And they tried to shut us down in the parking lot too. Oh, wow, wow. So we've got some great little, like I interviewed Jeff at the end of the day, like run down the day. So we basically went to Alpine Valley to get shut down. And we're like, mm. we're making a movie and we can't even us. shoot like fan stuff in the parking lot. Wow, wow. And, but it was a fun, you know, it was panic hey, got, warming up. I, I, hey, I, Phil I remember. Lash warming up for Bob Dylan. Mm. I, I got to so, see Phil Lash on the side of the stage with Dave watching yeah which yeah. was so yeah it was a bust um you know film wise but experientially like the whole film for us was mm-hmm. it was a it was a peak experience but it didn't really work out but then we went to harmony park in minnesota and that was awesome mm-hmm. i mean that i don't they played there a couple of times but it was like way out of the middle of nowhere and camping scene and mm-hmm. and we shot some pretty cool stuff there and um but a, so before we we go through the, each of the places that we went, you know, the question was, like when we when we reshot that stuff with with Bruce, Bruce. Hampton, you know, back in in uh, at, at Halloween, yeah, we thought that that would be like he would be one of the first people we should check in with since he was like the godfather mm-hmm. of you know horde tour and jam band. He started at the beginning. Well, he started, he said, I, I delivered this tape at Agnes Scott College and there were four people there. So he was in, that was a natural place to start. I'll quickly get us to the, 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 the chronology ending. So we did Harmony Park and then we went up and did uh, Bolton, Vermont on the 30th. And then we went to Central Park on the 1st. And then and, was- and I went to Atlantic City hmm. by my, like some of this stuff, Jeff went with, with people or like I went to Atlantic city by myself and it was a total bust. Hmm. Like Jojo oh, was not oh, in good shape. Too. 
And he was, and, and they were like, don't use anything from Atlantic City. And I was like, great. See you in New York in a couple of days. So. Yeah. And so then we did New York and then we went and met them. Uh, oh, and then we did the, uh, the jam, the Winston, uh, Winston Salem, Salem, right? Which, which I think a lot of people will speak to how incredible that show was. Mm. It was amazing that, that, that went, and we have incredible coverage of that show and we hope to do something with it. Yeah. We need to cut something really good from that show. So that's, that's sort of, you know, we have a couple of shows that we think we could do something with. And, and that's one of them. And then we did Oak mountain and that was the end of the tour. And then we went to Dave's house in September and shot with. No, Dave. no, they went, they, they went to Keystone. Oh, Keystone. Mm. Right. Mm. Right, first right. time then that was the end of the tour first time carl denson ever played with him I, I interviewed carl once and i talked about it he goes that's the first time i ever played with panic oh. did that low spark which is yeah. insane so the keystone then we went and saw went to athens and, and shot with vic in september but it wasn't like we didn't quite i don't know it was good really good but it wasn't i don't know we didn't we felt like we had to go back hmm. so we did september and then we went back then we went to um, New Orleans for in October, and then Athens in January of twenty one, where we recorded the Mikey and JB mm. and the Big Chestnut stuff. And then that was it. We wrapped it um, on January twentieth, two thousand and one. So it was it was that was you know it was about ten months, you know, like two thousand yeah. into early twenty into two thousand one. So that was my next note was the driving song sandwich on the front porch. Um, that was, uh, you know, we did, uh, when I got married to my wife, uh, I don't know how many years ago, a long time ago, uh, we did, we were still married, you know, uh, we did, uh, we did a, a CD was like our, our, you know, uh, party favor. And, uh, the, I, I ripped the the driving song off of the Earth Will Swallow You was was one of the tracks, and then the Genesis with Yorma and JB was another one of the tracks of the out of the fifteen on the mix tape. Those were two of them. So uh, so yeah, so I love that. I mean the porch. So what was was that one of y'all's ideas or or? Well, I mean, I, I it was my. I mean, again, I, I don't want to. Let's just say it was both of our ideas. Okay. You know, well, but I mean, it wasn't the band, it wasn't like JB, JB wasn't like, oh, well, why don't you get me and Mikey out on the front porch doing driving no, songs? No, I, I'll say, you know, because Chris and I were, you know, we were compadre, we were coming up with this mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. But the idea was let's get JB and Mikey on the, on the steps of John Keane's studio and have them play the song that represents the kernel of the coming together of widespread panic. Mm -hmm. So I went to JB and I said, JB, I want to play you and Mikey to do the song on the porch. And I want it to be the song that represents the beginning of widespread panic. And he goes, well, for me, it's driving song, but you're going to have to ask Mikey. Mm. So I went to Mikey and I said, Mikey, we want to do this thing with you and JB on the porch representing the beginning of widespread panic. What song would it be? And he goes, it would be driving song for me, but you have to ask JB. Oh, nice. So That's cool. I, I love that little story. So and once then, you had that, you could, you had a lockdown because you're like, Oh, you guys are great. It's perfect. Yeah. Right. I'm just, um, and then of course, like, I mean, look, I don't, I don't, I don't want to break my arm, pat myself on the back. Ouch. But to me, that song, those guys, mm. that is the, um, that's the um, sort of uh, the, the most significant widespread panic clip that there is. That's mm. the, the holy grail of widespread panic footage, in my opinion. Yeah. It's just those guys on the porch where it started doing that song and killing it. 
I mean, just absolutely. So, I mean, you know, again, I, I don't, but I really feel like that's a hugely significant piece. Um, so, I mean, of all of the stuff that we shot, to me, that's the, that's the, 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 the core, you know, Chris, I don't know if you, how you feel about it, but. Well, I mean, I just think as far as like making a film about widespread panic, like we didn't go in thinking let's find uh, this obscure song called the earth will swallow you. Um, but, you know, as we were following them through the summer and, and getting all these clips in all these different locations, that idea did come to us before the end of the summer tour where there's this song called the earth will swallow you. So the whole reason we were going to Athens uh, in the first place was we were going to go back into the studio and they were going to re-record the earth will swallow you. And then in the movie, like Jojo's never played it. What, you know, watch like the, this it. was the idea of playing music was watch them. We were like, why don't we'd like to watch you relearn a song mm -hmm. that you forgot. Like we'll watch the process of you figuring it out. That was, and they were into it. They were like, wow. I, yeah, sure. And y'all brought, that was literally my next question. So you guys brought the earth will swallow you as why don't y'all try this? Yes. Because it was a classic song. They played it 10 times and they dropped right. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's it's kind of like, um, um, you know, the um, believe it or not, by the dead. Is there? It's I mean, did they? Did you ask them like why it was on the shelf or what? The did they just not? I think they said it was, I think it was just funny. yeah, no. whack notes. I think. Yeah, was what yeah. They said. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> so in terms of of planning that day, you know, so we we knew we were going to go and they were going to sing. Uh, or they were going to re-record uh, The Earth Will Swallow You. Then we knew Vic Chestnut was going to come in. I don't know if we knew he was going to sing My Last Act. And then we also got them to do Driving on the Porch. So that was a pretty big day for the film. Yeah. And, 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 and that was kind of in, that was after we had shot the whole summer and we were right. like, okay, how can we fill in the holes and make, you know, make mm -hmm. a storyline that flows throughout? And, and that's kind of like how you make films. It's like we'd had that experience with making Scrapple where, you know, we shot in 24 days, but then we did a uh, five days of pickup at the end where you kind of like go, okay, this is where we can, you know, make the through line or, or reshoot stuff, et cetera. Yeah, I don't think when we started making the movie, we thought that we would shoot beyond the tour. But then we, you know, we had, you know, we were like, it's not just a tour film, it's a mm -hmm. concept. It's a think piece about a band. Mm -hmm. So let's keep diving into, you know, the medulla oblongata of this band and make a movie that feels like a widespread panic concept. Sir, you picked up on it. I mean, that's why that was one of the gifts of driving was knowing that like we could go Split do it, it early right. and then go make the rest of the movie and then come back. Yeah. Just like the band does. And you know, people picked up on that. I think you, you know, you said you did, and I think most mm -hmm. people get it. It's like, wow, this is that I mean, there's literally a set break in the movie. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, yeah. I mean, it was literally that's how we, you know, this is a band. This is a band that makes music. This is a band that plays, you know, uh two sets and a set break. And um, you know, so mm -hmm. it was um, I don't know, it was a you know, like we said, experientially it was insane. And, you know, we're both super proud of the movie. I mean, I think it's, look, the, the thing about that movie that it's sort of the elephant in the room in a sad way is like, there's like big something has, has an album of one of the covers where the whole band is sitting on a, 
on a, on a raft playing and there's a shark right below them and that's about to take the shark out, the, mm. the raft out. It's kind of what was happening with panic. Mm. Like they're on the raft, everything's great, but there's there's something below yeah. that's about to change the thing forever. Right. And nobody, you know, we had no idea. It was it was the it was the best of times, mm-hmm. but it was it wasn't the worst of times yet. Right. But, but it, was it was right. It was right around the corner. It right? was coming, and nobody yeah. knew it, man. Mm-hmm. It was like all fun and games. It was a you know it was this the band was just you know cresting. Yeah. Well, you know. That's, uh, you know, I don't, I think we're both grateful that's, and I think that somebody documented the band before that happened. Yeah. We were, we were fortunate that it was us, Mm -hmm. you know, historically it it is a good thing. And we were very fortunate that, that we got to be, you know, the filmmakers who got to do it. Yeah. So the, the earth will swallow you recording was there did the band have any consideration that that might get released? I mean, cause that was about don't tell the band recording era. Right. So was there, did they even consider that as being, or is it just a one-off? Like we'll do this for the guys because then they played it at new year's in one, right. Later, like 11 months later, but they played it in Halloween. One of those nights, okay, yeah. 30 in, in 2000. 2001 is actually because y- y'all so you would so because i'm a nerd and i know this stuff yeah so, yeah, yeah you're probably so right y'all filmed down there in october of, of 2000 and then you did the studio stuff in january of 01 and then they played it live in october no, of 01 yeah i was living down there so later. i never missed a show so it's yeah, hard yeah. For me to yeah, they really run together yes we're always yeah. there <laughs> but i do remember they played it in new orleans i yeah. think first yeah you're right and, and i was there and then they played it again in atlanta and i was i got to see that yeah. and um got to see vic do that really cool set in mm. 2000 or was that that was oh one maybe that was 2000 that, that one i'm not sure i'm not as solid on my on my new year's as I am on the New Orleans stuff, but so did, did you get a sense for whether that would be something that would ever see the light of day? The, the, the recording of that, the in studio. Of, of no the, idea. Yeah. Well, but even yeah. like at the time, right? Like, was there like, Oh, well, let's see if we get anything out of this. Like maybe this might make the record or, or no. I mean, we thought we, we built it as a, a build it as like a, an important structural part of the film okay. of them learning this song. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we were, that was like kind of, like Chris said, I mean, it's kind of why we went. No, but I mean, the band wasn't considering putting that on a, like an official release, like an, on an album. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. But they were, they were, when we went there, they were making Don't Tell the Band. Right. That's what I was saying. I didn't know if yeah. there was ever any conversation among the band that maybe they would, and you guys might not know this, but I, I, that would have been, you know, kind of cool. Say, I will say this, that. Vic Chestnut walked into that room and he just started teaching the guys this song they had never heard. And within like an hour, they recorded it. Yeah. Musicianship was mind blowing. And that was 22 years ago. Mm. It blows me away. Like how good like the band is. I mean, 22, I mean, 20 years ago, this guy walks in and they record a song like instantly. I mean, it was like, they just, it was incredible. And then they walked out of there and like Jojo's like, he was, he was like, what was that song about? <laughs> he was, he was like chopping off the legs of spiders and eating right. them in cereal. Yeah. 
And they never, the net, that didn't ever see the light of day either. I mean, that was, uh, that wasn't on the, My on the Cobalt back, record. Yeah. We have the only, the only, certainly the only recorded version of that yeah. is, 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 is our yeah. version of it. Mm. And I think it was only played one other time. Yeah, I think that's I think, right. I think he played, he played it one other time. He, he played it live. He recorded it with Panic. And it's never been released. And we have a crisp. It's so know, good. It's such a good song. It's so weird and dark and twisted. Yeah. And really like all of his stuff, which is why yeah. it's great. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really weird <laughs> in a good way. What uh being in the studio, I felt there were some some of the and you talked about like the small form of the camera. There were some times where it felt like claustrophobic where you guys were just in their space, you know what I mean? Especially backstage in those little little rooms and in the studio too. Did, was there ever a sense, like, obviously they're probably not used to having cameras around them all the time. Did it feel awkward or like that you were intruding in their, you know, in their workflow by, or was it, did it feel more like you were just bugs on the wall and they were just doing their thing? And um, what was that like? I mean, I, I think at that point they, they had, uh, they come, gotten, they'd just gotten around. around. Mm. Yeah, so I think the first, you know, like when we were in Phoenix with Taj Mahal, you know, or the Warfield uh, with Yorma, they were getting used to us being around. Mm -hmm. But by the end of the summer, I think, I think they trusted us. And 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 you know, uh, Colonel Bruce says something during the set break, like if if these cameras weren't always following me around, (laughs) you know, I would say some shit, you know, and and then. You Y'all hear turn it say, off, right? Kind of like breaks the fourth wall where it's like, hey, dude, let's leave him alone for a yeah. second and then it cuts. Right. Um, so we were always very respectful mm-hmm. of, of yeah, we were going for the fly on the wall, and mm-hmm. then of course, you know, I but I think it was, you know, we got to you know get a good rapport with the guys, and you know, I think they knew it was uh not gonna be something that lasted, you know. I mean, and you know, like they did a whole lot of stuff like this with Annie Tennille, um, you know, some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've, you know, they've kind of kept it going in terms of, you know, not having a problem with people. Yeah. Um, they haven't done that much stuff, but, but Andy did a bunch of really good stuff. So y'all did a lot of like one-on-one, I mean, probably with each of the, did you do? Yeah. Basically each band member had got like sort of a one-on-one bit right in the movie. And so I would think that that would be something not easy, but you could pr- approach the one guy and be like, oh, let's, I have this idea, let's do this. But for the collective, uh, because, you know, it's not like the John Bell band, you know, it's the six guys. Um, how did that work if you all had an idea? Like, we want to come to do this, you know, to see you do this in the studio or whatever. Like, was it, did everybody kind of have to be on board or did, did you get a sense for how that, that worked with the band? Well, like when we edited it, we had to send them versions and then they would, they all would watch it. And, and of course, like, like Sonny probably paid more attention to when he, his little Mm. piece Mm. or, or JB during his piece. And, and, you know, we respected when they said, you know, can you take this out? Can you take this out? So, you know, there's a, there's a longer first draft where where each interview is much longer. And then there were probably things that they were sensitive, like, please trim that out, please mm-hmm. trim that out. But, you know, everything that they 
the final draft of the earth will swallow you was approved by the band you know like yes we will let you guys put this out whereas like the first draft there was probably some stuff that like can you can you take out you know where where um uh jerry joseph says something <laughs> inappropriate or you know sunny says something embarrassing about mm. you know catholic school we're like yeah yeah we'll take that stuff out okay. so you know it we did when i said that earlier about the first you know two weeks we we're on the road and being 70 percent we shot four of the six band profiles in those two weeks mm. So we really did. We knocked out JB in Vegas. We did Mikey in San Francisco. We did our Dave interview in San Francisco and we did um, Todd in San Francisco. So, you know, we really like, you know, and then, and then we, you know, I, I don't, I, I guess we were trying to figure out what to do with, with Jojo. I think that's why we went to new Orleans was to shoot Jojo. Right. Mm -hmm. we, well, was, yeah. And, we and Jojo is kind of a guest star in Vegas. <laughs> so you do get to see him a little bit there, but Jojo didn't want to do anything other than he said, I'll play, you know, at Tipitina's I'll play, you know, on my piano at Tipitina's we're like, great. Well, that's your segment then. Yeah. But you know, when you look back at the film, he is hanging out with JB in the, in the uh, Star Trek. That Star Trek sequence so is just, and you know, we didn't have any uh, clearance, you know, to do that. I mean, we mm -hmm. were super stealth in the, yeah. And the Star Trek thing. I mean, we were violating all kinds of. What, what was more gorilla, that or the Central Park one? What was that? that, that equally, because Central okay. Park, same thing. Like yeah. we did not have permits to shoot in Central Park, but we just went with a lot of confidence. Like, and yeah. and probably you know, we it's we New had York, learned the ways of gorilla filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure we yeah, had. Yeah, but a... people weren't walking around Central Park looking at can't you know the the thing in Vegas was so super stealth. I mean, yeah. it was. And JB makes some of the funniest comments in that thing. He's talking about the Federation. You know, he made some line about like some some comment about the Federation. Right. I mean, when, when that when they come, you want to make sure that they know you're on the right side. He has so many great lines, and it was such a such a cool way to to get to learn. I mean, you really do get a sense for all those guys. But man, JB has got the best lines. Like the to get those sandwiches, boy. I've been I've been saying it for 20 years since he said it in that scene with J with, with, with Jojo. He goes, if you feed them, then they grow <laughs> about kids. <laughs> if you feed them then they'll grow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's a you know, he's got a a, a a a funny little sense of humor. But one of the things that I remember about Mikey so fondly was that um, he had a funny little sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And the guys, they all loved him so much mm -hmm. that whenever he made a joke, everybody laughed so hard. Because mm -hmm. they just, I mean, Mikey was just like, you know, he was just an angel, you know, of a guy. I mean, mm -hmm. he really was. He was such a sweetheart of a guy. And they, and, and, and the, and the, and the, um, if you ever listen to the, you know, the me and Mikey uh, tapes between in, in 93 with JB and Mikey, mm -hmm. If you listen to the way those guys talk to each other and the respect that they have for each other in that, and, you know, that was in 93 and that just, that just carried on, um, you know, and, and certainly between JB and Mikey, you know, but I think the rest of the band as well. But anyway, I just, you know, a, a big, you know, Mikey, Mikey's the star of the earth will swallow you sadly because mm -hmm. this is the last, we really got the last time we get to spend any time with him. Yeah. And he was gone. But um, 
he was, you know, he was just, uh, he had a funny little sense of humor, man. He would make these little, he'd come in with these jokes and everybody would crack up. Chris, he calls, stuff like that. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, there were just so many, you know, like I'm reminded, um, Jeff, I don't know if you remember, like we shot a whole sequence with, um, um, with JB playing golf. Like oh, wow. we were like, but the Star Trek thing was so far superior than, mm. than you know, because he loved playing golf too. Um, but that was so the thing that, for SMA. That was a thing for spinal muscular atrophy for Hannah, the golf thing. Do we do two golf things? Remember we went to Orlando and shot something for Hannah's buddies. Hmm. I don't know. I, I can't remember. Yeah. It was trying to do a little golf. Well, all I'm saying is we had a whole sequence where we went out and played golf with mm-hmm. JB. And then there were lots of like, you know, like behind, like backstage at venues, like having lunch or like chilling, you know, with Dave schools or, or Mikey Hauser. And again, we were like shooting all this stuff going, we don't know what's going to end up like in, in the final film. And uh, I mean, like, I just have to, you know, one of my favorite, and and it was front loaded. Like when we were at the war field for four nights, that was such an amazing experience. And there was like a room down in the war field. uh, You know, like there were a bunch of different rooms. So there's not like one green room. There's like, you know, and there was this one room where everyone signed the wall. And so we did a little piece on like all the signatures in there. Again, it didn't never made it in the film, but like to see Jerry Garcia's signature, Mm. you know, amongst all of these uh, musicians signatures and then to like go in with a Sharpie and like sign your own name, kind of like the tunnel that's uh, in Red Rock. Mm-hmm. Like there's that, like, I don't know if people know about that tunnel. Like there's the tunnel that goes up to the soundboard and all these musicians have signed in the tunnel. That was one of the cooler things of, of that summer tour was, you know, cause you know, Jeff and I are both big deadheads. So to be at, at the war field shooting widespread panic. And like I said, my first real widespread panic weekend was so similar to like a grateful dead weekend at red rock. So like to be at the war field shooting widespread panic, you know, in the basement, like checking out Cherry Garcia's, you know, signature and all the great, you know, like, and, and I can't even remember, like I should unearth that footage and see who else is in there. I'm sure it's like people like Grace Slick and Yorma Kalkin and whatever, but that was a, that was a pretty uh, big highlight from that. From that you know, there's footage, like you just said, like that I, you know, like the interview that I did with Merle Saunders, like, I don't think I've ever seen it. Hmm. You know, I mean, Peanut. Oh, no, no, no. It's in the movie. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of clips in the movie. Yeah, but I did a whole, like, I mean, I interviewed Merle. Yeah. I mean, I asked him about Jerry. I mean, I hmm. want to see the stuff that like, you know, I was like, well, tell me about Jerry. And he right. started telling me all this stuff about Jerry. And um, anyway, so there's, you know, there's, there's like the, the archive, you know, that's the thing about it. It's like, I want to see it, you know, right. you know there, we, and I guess that's the next thing we haven't talked about. Yeah. Talk about, you know, what we want to do with the footage. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to get into that. So, but do you think Chris, the, the stuff in the war field, I mean, cause the, the, one of the hardest things of making a, a film, I mean, I've never made one, but I mean, having cut some video stuff together is like getting it concise. Right. And you want it, you want it tight. You want it to be, you don't want it to feel bloated. Right. And so 
cutting that stuff out, the stuff you really like, just because you know it maybe doesn't add to the, the story, would, would is there something that stood out to you is like maybe the last thing that that you you know it was just really you're like oh it's this or that or it's you know this really should be in there but it doesn't fit or anything stick out like that well let me think for a second i mean because the war field was so packed we had yorma coming yeah and so we have you know jb and yorma singing genesis and then when they're when the whole band's um in in the basement rehearsing so but you know we were there for four days just shooting tons of stuff and and we that's another i think we we shot two concerts there on the third and the fourth so we feel like we've got all this footage that we could go back and 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 find selects or whole concerts i mean during that you know we shot professionally red rocks and oak mountain you know just the the highest quality yeah. recording at the time which was which, which, which was beta uh did you guys put not to get in the weeds but did you guys punch that live or did you do it in post like all the cuts live at oak mountain well yeah i mean like were you switching cameras yeah yeah we we did a live line cut okay. both at red rocks and at oak mountain but but then when we released live at oak mountain we went back and, and cleaned up uh, some stuff or did some cover yeah, shots yeah. and okay yeah but there were a couple i i know that there were some shots that were like shot that was how it was shot live yeah. mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of if it's papa's or or there's some I can't remember which one it's screen stuff in live at oak mountain that i love like old school split screen stuff that's yeah cool. and yeah that, the ride me high's got some of that i think well and uh, and recently going through some of the footage like at, at the end of 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 the concert that we shot on the 12th which ended up being live at oak mountain and so people were watching it you know like they were watching the concert, but there was also the Jumbotron. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know that every concert, I mean, certainly they didn't have that at Red Rocks when we were there. And back in 2000, I don't know how many venues had, you know, the big screens. But so people were watching our cut during the big screen. And then, you know, when the concert ended, they were done and uh, they played. Uh, Burning down, the house. burning down the house right. and so i recently came across that footage of like people oh, actually wow. dancing and singing to burning down the house yeah. and of course i don't know that we can ever put that on the internet because it would just get shut down because mm. it's talking heads but the energy in that place after that show oh, was yeah. just insane mm. and you know we use that footage at the end of the movie you see people dancing like you can mm-hmm. almost read their lips. They're saying burning down the house mm-hmm. and it's to a different song. But like when you see it actually to burning down the house, that was yeah. that was an insane moment. And again, we were in the camera truck, right? Like we weren't out, you know, uh, uh, you know, watching the show. But when I look back at that footage, which I recently unearthed, I, it was a reminder of, of what an amazing summer it was. Um, but, but to your question of, I don't, I think everything that we meant to shoot well, we did shoot well or well enough to get into the film, mm-hmm. you know, like going to Dave school's basement to shoot with Vic Chestnut or going into John Keene's studio to shoot with the band or going to Tipitina's, um, uh, with Jojo. Like, I don't think that there's much that, 
that didn't make it in that that we didn't want to make it in. I mean, maybe some stuff at, at Keystone with Dirty Dozen, but even part of that made it in. Mm-hmm. And that's where we also shot uh, with both band members. It ended up being bonus footage on Live at Oak Mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why, you know, we've, we've got, you know, hundreds of hours of footage of, of widespread panic during the summer of 2000. And um, that, you know, we want to get out there, you know, we want to try to cut some of these uh, songs, if not, you know, concerts, um, you know, that, that represent the Michael Hauser era. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, and one of those, I mean, the, the Phoenix show with Taj Mahal is an unbelievable concert, you know, a concert in the round. And we only, you know, there's maybe, you know, five, five minutes, if even five minutes, a few minutes of that uh, in the movie. And same with uh, uh, the Winston Salem show. We just did something, you know, before the show with Danny and Eric and, and JB um, and Blackman. Yeah. And David Blackman. Last time um, he ever played with a band. But we didn't, you know, we shot that whole concert, six different little DV cameras, like mm. pretty well shot. Yeah. Um, like we've never put, I mean, I think Jeff posted a, you know, diner. bits and pieces of that, like well, a diner. Well, and this part of town and Ain't Life Grand, I got, I put a bunch of stuff of that, mm. just little cl- clips. The diner clip is, I mean, there's a close up of JB and he says, thank you for your smile. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. And, he, you know, one of the things that struck me that whole summer when I was shooting JB is how much he looked like Chris Christopherson. <laughs> In that video from Winston Salem, yeah, he looks just like Chris Christopherson. Anyway, I mean, that's just I just remember watching through the. I remember at, at the Warfield shooting him and just being like, "God, JB looks like Christopherson." <laughs> but you know, the other thing that we've done is uh, Chris and I we've started a. Uh, a site called Scrapple uh, Mercantile. And um, and so um, it's like a store and a place to like have bohemian cool mountain scrapple stuff. Um, and so we're doing, we're going to be selling some Scrapple stuff, but we've got some Mikey and JB hats, t-shirts, koozies, stickers, patches, um, basically going out with, with those guys. Can, can people buy copies of Scrapple, the film? Yeah. Yeah. DVDs. Well, actually, you know, w- w- one of the things that we want to do that we think is <laughs> Scrapple is kind of funny because with Amazon Prime, you can watch Scrapple. OK, but all of a sudden, like now you have to watch a commercial every eight minutes. Like yeah. they do everything else. you used to be able to watch it. Yeah. Now yeah. You watch commercials. And then oh. Chris and I don't get any money from it. You don't you get know? like point zero zero one cents every time somebody we watches do. it. <laughs> we do. But it's still it's, it's still not enough to write us a check. Yeah, so we don't get anything. So we're like, well, screw that. Let's just put it out for people to see. We're, our goal right now is like, how can we put it out where people can watch it without having to watch a commercial? Right. So we're working on that. Because if you go to YouTube with it, mm-hmm. then they start putting their you know commercials in it. So yeah. it's kind of, uh, you yeah. know, but, but we have this idea of sending our movie around to free, free to everybody. Mm. No one's ever, I don't know. We haven't really seen that be done. And then yeah. hopefully they'll buy a t-shirt. Right. But, you know, it's just like Chris said, you know, you make this stuff, you know, we're relatively lucky in the sense that people can see our work. I mean, it's not that easy to see it, but like, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it, it's 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 a lot of people's work. You just, they do this stuff and it never gets seen by anybody. Yeah. And that's I think what every artist wants is at least somebody to be able to see their work. 
forget make i mean making money is great but like the idea of making stuff and having it never be seen by anybody is super frustrating to i think anybody who makes anything so we just want that's the whole thing with the archive that's the whole thing with uh we just want people to see the stuff we're proud of it we think it's cool work and you know we'd like to uh to share it so the website scrapple mercantile is that what you said yes scrapple. so mercantile.com and then you know we'll do some social stuff and so there'll be there'll be like merch and stuff there too and when we're hoping that that we'll, there'll be there'll some be maybe some unreleased videos footage and things popping yeah. up there down the road yes. we have a, a cool thing we're going to launch with on tuesday so okay we're going to put something up there um I, one thing I've always, maybe I asked you this last time, Jeff, and I, obviously I didn't get a good enough answer. So maybe I'll ask Chris <laughs> this time. You forgot. <laughs> um, was, you, guys, you guys, you guys clearly shot Red Rocks, full bells, bells and whistles was, and then, but then that never actually saw the light of day was, was, was the plan to always do Red Rocks and Oak Mountain and then see which one they liked best or you guys liked best or uh, what was that? And, you know, maybe you can't get too deep into that, but what was that process? Like what may, are there ever any hopes that we might see 624, 2000 fully out to the light of day? Who do we need to yell at to make that happen? I mean, I, I, we will get uh, 624, 2000 out there. Because it is the it's the best show. I mean, we shot Red Rocks, you know, like eight camera cranes, jibs, you know, like lenses, like mm-hmm. as as expensive as a car, and 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 you know, we did it again at Oak Mountain, and then we we kind of had these two great concerts. They wanted to go with Oak Mountain, and we thought, well, that's great because Red Rocks is better. Like yeah. the Red Rock show is just and. And I've seen some dirty copies out there, like mm-hmm. somebody, you know, uh, illegally recorded a line cut, um, you know, so like they're float, there, there are a couple parts that are floating out there on, on the dark web or whatever on YouTube. But, uh, you know, we've got, I mean, it is really my hope that, that we'll be able to get uh, the, the June 24th show of, of widespread panic um, in 2000, you know, out there. And as Jeff just said, and the same with, you know, Live at Oak Mountain, it's hard to find now because, you know, it, it was a, it was a gold DVD when DVDs were like the, the pinnacle of, of, of technology. And, 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 you know, it was uh, produced by a company called Sanctuary Records that's now out of business. So, you know, that's another thing we want to see the Oak Mountain stuff get back out there. I mean, if we have to recut it, we'll recut it, you yeah. know, like, like it's just it's just two beautiful uh, shows from Widespread Panic in 2000, and where the, where the band just just showed up and we were lucky you know, enough to be there. Yeah, and I, recorded. I, I think you're gonna see um, some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We may end up getting sued over it, but you're gonna well, see. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to break any news on this podcast, but I was just because it does feel like sometimes that stuff is needs some momentum, right? And you yeah. guys are doing what you can do and, and making it available, but sometimes the fans need to to you know shake the tree a little bit too, right? And let you know and and tell people that hey, we'll pay for this or we want to see this. We know it's out there. So well, and well, that's well, where you know, go ahead. Mitchell Davis, you know, good buddy, and he's he's throwing um, a, a celebratory 
you know, uh, streaming launch party in Charleston, South Carolina on the 6th as well. Um, and he's been really like just celebrating our footage and, 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 and trying to, uh, you know, help us get it out to the masses, you know, and we've got, you know, full shows, not as professionally shot, but, you know, six different camera people mm-hmm. with, with the hot, you know, semi highest technology at the time, you know, at, at the Warfield in San Francisco and in central park and in where else i mean i i'm not 100 percent sure we shot the whole central park but we shot the whole we shot the whole phoenix show we shot two warfield shows we shot the show at um winston-salem there's another show at oak mountain on the 18th where we shot the whole show and then there are dozens of dozens of of like at harmony park where Jeff and I were the only camera guys, mm-hmm. we shot, you know, multiple songs. The 13th yeah. show has got a lot of really killer Colonel Bruce stuff, too. Yeah. 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 Really, really. Did, cool. I mean, I know the band a couple years ago did the, like, the Never Miss a Sunday show, like, YouTube series, and they were they were pulling things out of the archives, I guess, that they had. Um, did I'm guessing they didn't reach out at that point, or did they, or... I don't want to get too, too deep. Well, they, they may have, but I think we were like, I mean, we're just going to put it out there for, yeah, you know, right. For, you know, and, and, and then at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the streaming, the numbers are really pitiful, you know, for what right. you get for putting the stuff out there. Yeah. Particularly if you have to go remix the sound, it becomes right. sort of like a, you know, a, a, um, you know, w- when we made this stuff in 2000, I mean, I think the idea was that someday there's going to be a technology that, d- that is developed that will allow that will have security so that people can't just rip it, mm-hmm. you know, and then we'll just wait for that day. Mm-hmm. It never came. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think we even imagined that in 2000, that like DVDs would phase out. So right. Like, you know, not now, like if we, what do we do? If we have red rocks footage, 2000, what do we do with it? I can't sell you a DVD because nobody has a DVD player though. We would make them. Mm-hmm. People would buy them, but, you know, then then you got to go to the streaming platforms and the money. Oh, oh man. Okay, now we can really get into it, Chris. No, just all right. <laughs> um, we, yeah, we do want to say that that Jeff is uh, is is live from from a hotel in in Simsbury, Connecticut, uh, on the road with his family for uh, for a hockey tournament, right? So, yeah, um, we appreciate him taking the time out. Um, I'm going to, let's see, I'm going to put him in the lobby and if he comes back, I'll bring him back. All right. I didn't, I didn't boot him off completely. He's still there, but um, I think we, I think we did most of the things that I, I certainly all the stuff that I wanted to, to hit on. Um, yeah, no, it was, it's such an amazing opportunity uh, to be here with you tonight. And, you know, we are, we are so excited. It, like Jeff mentioned, and, you know, it's like, we just, as a filmmaker, and again, this is, when you're making films that played in, in, in movie theaters, you know, like the first few times that the earth will swallow you played, you know, played at like the Roxy in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And like, we were playing in movie theaters and I've had a couple screenings of the Charleston music hall um, on the big screen. You know, it's such a different uh, landscape now. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I feel lucky that, that we made the, you know, and, and, and Scrapple is like this too. Like, we entered the arena 
back when um, it was about making films on a big screen in surround sound. And we were lucky enough to see a couple of films that we made, you know, that way. Yeah. You know, and and if if you told us, you know, in 20 years, people will be watching them, you know, on on their phones, right. on their phones. I mean, right. You, right, right. I, I would have been like, I don't even understand what you're talking yeah. about. But like on a screen, you know, this big, right. um, I, I wouldn't have believed it. And 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 yet, hey, if if you're going to watch The Earth Will Swallow You on on a screen this big, great. You know, I'd rather you watch it on your computer screen yeah, or, or in on a big theater. screen on the wall, right? Yeah, but um, you know, we just want people to see. We think, uh, you know, we haven't thrown kudos out to him, but you know, the, the guy who edited Scrapple, his name is Davy Frankel, and we found him because he had done a, a documentary on, on the band Fugazi, and oh. we saw this 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 rock doc that he had done on Fugazi, and we said we want you to to cut uh, uh, the earth will swallow you. And so a lot of the style was like his style. Like, I, you know, we were pretty young filmmakers at the mm-hmm. time. And there were times where like, we were setting up the camera like on a tripod. And, and as a filmmaker at the time, I never would have thought that that, that would be the piece that you use. I'd be mm-hmm. like, okay, now it's ready, action. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and he had this eye. I mean, there's this, it's like when we're, we're interviewing Jerry Joseph and I think that was at Keystone. And again, we, we, he was back somewhere on the tour. So like, you know, we did the stuff with him in Central Park and, and both, you know, at the Alice in Wonderland uh, statue and also the summer at, stage, at, right? At the summer stage, you know, and then we hooked up with him again later in the summer to get this interview. And again, it's like, I learned a lot as a filmmaker working with Davey Frankel because it was like these moments where it was like, like just he just had like a really cool eye hey welcome back jeff i was just telling him about sorry Katie. that's okay <laughs> I, I just off the road when i jumped into to this and i'm sorry i'm not as i'm closer to a, a power outlet yeah but, well i mean yeah, davy davy uh um when, when, when panic i don't know if you just said this but when panic first saw the footage i, I don't think they really knew what to make of it because Davey, like literally, I'm, I'm not kidding you. He was so ahead of his time. Like the way Davey cut that movie is the way they cut everything now. Mm. Like where you hear somebody's voice before you right. see them and then you see him for a second and then they cut away again and you still hear the voice. That's what they do now. Like yeah. Davey was literally, I swear, he was he was a, a little bit ahead of it, the it didn't. I mean, I'll say that it does not feel dated for being 20 years. No. And, and that was an era where it, be pretty easy to feel dated i mean besides the the fashion and the you know and then this but even you guys did a great job i think because even with the video technology like that can look kind of stale and dated because it's dv but like it still looked pretty good i thought really based on what you had yeah that's an old thing but i think one of the reasons that it still plays so well is really because of the editing i mean we the, the guy who edited our movie is a, I mean, I mean, triple A um, editor. So we're fortunate because it could feel really old. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and he was kind of like, I, I kind of feel, I mean, I don't, I don't know what genre Fugazi falls into. Are they punk? They're kind of like yeah. street. I don't, but like Davey Frankel was kind of like a punk editor, like, mm. like the same way, like jazz to music. It's like, 
he just had this style. So when we were in the edit phase with him and he would be like, Hey, what do you think of this? We were like, wow. Like yeah. I, it's well, like, and we he knew went nothing out, about panic. Well, it's like, we went out. That's the best part of it. It's like, he, he had, he knew nothing about the band and he had no, he had no vested interest in any of the band members. Mm-hmm. He was just telling the stories that he saw mm-hmm. that, you know, like it was made by guys who really knew a lot about the band and loved the band and edited by somebody <laughs> who <laughs> was completely like, I'm just mm-hmm. making, you know, making this look good. You know, yeah. Don't you think, Chris? Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's why I was just like, just giving quick kudos to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not even sure if that was the question. How I got onto that. <laughs> no, it was well worth it. Um, well, as Vic Chestnut says, uh, punk rockers suck, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And fuckers that they are. <laughs> the fuckers that they fuckers. are. Um, well, guys, I, I really appreciate it. It's been a ton of fun. I would talk no, to you all really. night and would love thank, to do it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And um, look forward to seeing, seeing the film get, you know, get out there again. And, uh, Hope people get to get to watch it and um, and uh, scrapplemercantile.com is where they you know if they want to see more they want to support you know what you guys are doing and, and have done in the past that's the place to do it right yeah, yeah. and um, you know I, I have a little uh, blog on Facebook called when the needle hits the groove little oh yeah yeah What's little that? music thing just I post music and you know, something I enjoy. I mean, I, 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 that's the way my brain, I mean, I'm like, I don't know. I, I just constantly the hard drives. So it's mm-hmm. nice to have a place to just be like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Let me put it here. Mm. You know? So anyway, I do that. And um, there's that. What, uh, <laughs> okay. I'll leave you guys with this then. What, uh, what are you listening to right now, Jeff? What is, what was, the, what was the soundtrack of the drive up to? Oh my God. I, I, um, I just did, about 14 hours of uh well first off i i started by listening to some um some that um billy strings did some did a little podcast during the uh pandemic where he interviewed a bunch of people Mm. and i listened to a couple of those and that was really interesting the the vince herman uh thing that he did vince just keeps talking about colonel bruce he brings up (laughs) colonel bruce like 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 three times yeah um and in different ways and um, and then and then and then Billy tells a story about hanging out with Panic and a story that that Colonel Bruce that they were telling a story about Colonel Bruce about right. how they were in when ARU that um, that um, um, that 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 Colonel was saying play backyard or, or something like that. And then Jimmy was like, what are you talking about? Play backyard. And then he was like, play backyard on the fretboard, like with your hands. You know, and that and that and 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 that like apparently Jeff Mosier was so beautiful or Jeff Seif started crying. Anyway, I listened to I listened to that, which was fascinating because I'm a Billy. I mean, I've really flipped out on Billy Strings. Yeah. But I listen to any any Billy, um, though, I will say that if you want to hear, you know, my one of my favorite things about Billy is the whole Robert Hunter thing with Thunder. Yeah. How Kreutzmann. Uh, had a a song of Hunters without any music. Mm-hmm. Billy composed it in one day. He called him later and composed it on the bus. Yeah. And so Saginaw, Michigan. Listen to the Thunder. It's one of the best things I've ever heard. So okay. um, there's that that I've been listening to. And then what I was I I, I put these things out at the end of the year and uh, music music playlists. Mm-hmm. So I was going through some playlists that I've accumulated from different people, and I was just going through them and listening to new stuff mm-hmm. so the stuff that i was listening to 
most of the weekend was, uh, but I, I discovered some old like Maceo Parker and the Nighthawks from 1970. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, my favorite thing to do these days is to find a song that I love that's super obscure and then play that on the first song on Spotify and let the algorithm take Figure me to super obscure. Because if you, if you play a song by like Tom Rush, there's mm-hmm. a song called Make Julep that we used in Scrapple that didn't end up making it, but it's this really cool song. If you start your playlist with, with, with Tom Rush, Mick Julep, you're just going to get a bunch of weird stuff by like Jesse Colin Young and Steele's, Co- you know, Collins and just, so, I mean, that's kind of my thing that I like to do now is start an algorithm with something that I really love. That's super obscure because it just takes me down mm. like really super obscure, cool other things. Cause they, I mean, the algorithm is, 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 um, is is an amazing it knows thing. what it's doing <laughs> and that's and that's what it's doing but i want i want to i want to i'm going to close with one thing about spotify yeah because there, there was a thing about spotify um uh you know like like it was like a concert poster was saying about how like Spotify was so bad to get everybody mm. over right mm. and mary armstrong the guy like hates spotify because the guy who found it is a real jerk and whatnot well i can tell you this i interact with spotify 25 to 50 times a day Okay. It's my favorite app of all time. I share songs with my daughters and my son and my, you know, it's like it enriches my life in ways that, that are incredible. And, and so I will tell you this about Spotify. First off, nobody has to do Spotify and no band has to participate in it. If they don't like it, they don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not like people are saying like, you have to be on Spotify. Okay. So there's there. So that's my first thing about Spotify is every band does it uh, lovingly. Okay, or not lovingly, but willingly, not lovingly because they're not making any money, but willingly. Mm. Secondly, Spotify has been around for 20 years and has never made a profit. Not once. Mm. If they charged more money, if they gave away more money, they'd make less money. They don't make any money. They've just created the best, greatest music thing in the world. Um, so those are my two main things about, uh, you know, sure, the, the, the music business like completely went against artists. And it works for bands like Panic, where they, they're still playing live. But imagine, like, if you're like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and you don't even play anymore, and now you're mm. point zero zero three cents a right. You know, well, and you may not even own your the rights to your songs either, right? right. So there's so anyway, the reason I'm saying is you, you you know you say what do you I do a lot I spend a lot of time on Spotify mm. and and I love it and I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of it. It's I've, I've discovered crazy cool music and i can share it with you on my phone and all this other stuff so anyway that, okay. that's what i'm doing and I'm a, I'm a big fan of spotify and you can you you can listen to it and not feel guilty about it that's why i'm saying this okay okay you're, people you're, are like oh my god i'm screwing the artist over right. it's like you know look man Spotify. it's the way the cookie the cookie crumbled they didn't crumble the cookie they're mm-hmm. just dealing with it so anyway all right what, what about what about you, Chris? Can you give me some actual albums, or you, do you happen to know well, something? I, I'm like, I don't. I, I'm not going to give the uh, commercial for Spotify, but uh, <laughs> I'm the opposite. Like, I, I just, I, I put on my Pandora, and I basically listen to Jerry Garcia, Grateful Dead, Panic. You know, like it's it just, it's just, I'm, I'm stuck in my old music, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so I've been listening to a ton of uh, JGB, you know, okay. and yeah. um, it's a good place it, to be. Yeah. So, you know, Jerry Garcia, Grateful Dead, old school Grateful Dead. I, I don't like the, the newer stuff. Um, you know, 
similarly to, you know, like I went and saw, um, uh, um, J-Rad. Mm. I, like I saw two great J-Rad shows before the pandemic and was just like crazy about them. And then I went to go see J-Rad, uh, uh about a month ago up in DC. And I was like, what happened? Oh, <laughs> it, was no. like, it was so like acid jazz, oh. uh, grateful dead. I was so disappointed. Mm. So I'm looking for, I, I'm looking for like the old guy. I'm not, you know, that excited about the, the going out of business sale tour this summer for, mm. for dead and company. <laughs> I'm, I just missed. That's why I'm just like, I'm listening to so much grateful dead yeah. and old, uh, JGB these yeah. days. So, and I, and I, and I oscillate between my Spotify and the dead and Jerry too. I mean, I, that, that, that's my, um, you know, I mean, no, I, I mean, I feel you guys cause I'm the same way. I love finding new music, but then there's something about going back and, it's like putting on a comfortable pair of shoes and listening to the things you love. Right. And there's yeah. a reason you love them. So, yeah. um, well, we all love the earth will swallow you. So we're excited to get that back. And, uh, so January 6th on nugs and, um, and scrapplemercantile.com and Chris and Jeff Hansen. So much appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out with us tonight. And, um, yeah, appreciate it. And if anybody's listening to this, like after January 6th, 2023, go to Nugs and just see if it's there. Mm, right. We're hoping that it, that it lands okay. there uh, after the 6th as well. All right. Awesome. Harvey, thank you so much, bud. Yeah. No, thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right. There you have it. Many thanks to Jeff Hansen and Chris Hansen uh, for taking the time to join us. And um, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. It was great to hear all those stories about uh, time on the road and, and what it took uh, putting together uh, that film. And uh, so if you've never seen it, definitely watch it. Uh, and if it's been a while, then you should watch it again. So Saturday, January 21st, 2023, nugs.net. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, it's $9.99. If you are a subscriber, it's $8.49. If you're not a subscriber and you sign up uh, for the service, I think it's $4.99. So lots of different options, but um, it's going to be great. It's it's such a great film. I hadn't watched it in a while, and, and I watched it again um, leading up to this interview that I just had. And uh, it's so great. There's so many great moments. Uh, the music's fantastic and uh, just a great, great snapshot of a band that we all loved uh, at uh, just a, a great a great time. And I mean, I think, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll be talking to Sam Holt coming up here really soon. And I know that he thinks that, that like fall 2000 is, is like his favorite moment of the band. And so, uh, that's, that's a lot of, you know, we saw the earth will swallow you is, is summer through summer 2000 through January of one. So, um, anyway, thanks again, guys. And, uh, hope everybody's doing well and, um, don't hesitate to reach out, follow us on, uh, Facebook or Twitter or um, wherever you get your social media and um, bluestape.com shoot us an email. Uh, yeah. So um, hope to talk soon. We'll be back really soon with a, with a chat with Sam Holt and um, yeah, take care. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you on the other side. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. 
Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.